0: make sure you're subscribed to issues etc type issues etc in your podcast provider hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review this will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find issues etc so a publication in this case the guardian Publishes a picture that they claim is the picture of an unborn child at an early stage of gestation. It's a picture of just a clump of cells. Maybe they've proven, after all, that the unborn is just a clump of cells until the baby is born. Turns out their picture was not accurate. Turns out they got their picture from a pro-choice organization, and it turns out that a secular pro-life organization called them on it. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're going to talk about The Guardian's recent attempt to dehumanize the unborn. Dr. Charles Camosi joins us. He's professor of medical humanities at at the Creighton University School of Medicine, and he's author of the book Beyond Abortion Wars and a column for The Federalist titled Why The Guardian's Gaslighting on Abortion is a Good Sign for Pro-Lifers. Dr. Kamosi, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me on again.
0: You say that pro-abortion activists who acknowledge that the prenatal child is a little human being but offer a nuanced account of, say, what the law's role should be are worthy of pro-life respect. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, first, I think it's important just to understand that just as pro-lifers have views That are diverse and all over the map and we have good faith arguments with each other the same thing happens on the pro-abortion or pro-choice side so there are people i think anyway that are wrong deeply wrong but are engaging in what i would call sort of good faith arguments about yeah this is a human being but man the law has really treated women poorly in the past and we need to give them autonomy and freedom and their bodily rights and we've all been through those arguments before many times that's an argument worthy of respect but what's not worthy of respect is what I go after in that Federalist article, which is a much more extreme position, which disappears the prenatal child altogether.
0: So just to be clear, those pro-abortion activists that will acknowledge that we're dealing with a human being in the womb, are they representative of the basically the pro-choice of the pro-abortion movement?
1: not those who currently have power in it no i'd say the average pro-choice person you meet on the street or in some kind of chance meeting very few people now know have some view that the the prenatal human being is a clump of cells or something like that or you know a parasite or something like that i mean now there's no excuse in the era of 4d ultrasounds and people putting pictures of their prenatal children on their phones and show them to whoever you know, there's just no excuse anymore in today's digital age, but I will say those that hold power in the pro-choice activists, pro-abortion activists movement, those who hold power in academia where I work, those who hold power in most of the corporate um, and legacy media, those who hold power in our schools tend to think about abortion in this extreme way, which again, completely disappears the child from the conversation. So... How do abortion extremists, how do they actually arrive
0: at that position that you describe in your piece of the Federalist, which is any abortion on request, no questions asked, and federally funded?
1: I think the only way to really get at that position because if you acknowledge that there's a human being, a fellow member of the species Homo sapiens, vulnerable, voiceless, completely dependent on others, again, that's a more leftist position, right? Those that focus on how government should protect those vulnerable populations. I started out as with Democrats for Life and very much grew up in that milieu of thinking government needs to, to come here. The only way, you, especially if you have those leftist kind of sensibilities, the only way you can really come to that position is again, if you just disappear the child. If you say the only consideration here, as Ralphie L. Warnock in a debate with Herschel Walker mentioned, if you just imagine that the room only has a doctor and a mother in it, right? And as Herschel Walker mentioned in his the Georgia debate with with Raphael Warnock, he said, I think you're missing a third individual here who's present. So you can get, obviously, you can get to a position where you say, oh, there's just no limits on abortion at all if abortion is just like getting your tonsils removed or something like that. Yeah, there's no limits on getting your tonsils removed. But if, it, if what you're doing is slicing a human being into little pieces, then we have a different analysis, a moral analysis that needs to take place. So tell us about a
0: recent Guardian article that attempted literally to erase the unborn.
1: Well, not many people want to talk about the reality of abortion. And so one of the things that the Guardian article and and many, and they're not alone here, but they're they're just a blatant attempt to say, oh, you know, this thing that pro-lifers want to talk about, that's a child who's at risk for this terrible violence. It's not that. Take a look at these photos that are essentially of tissue after a pregnancy. There's no baby here to see, They said. The picture, pictured, week, week, week. And look, it's just essentially this innocuous kind of white, almost like like a cotton consistency. And the uh, Guardian got the photos from a pro-abortion website. And clearly they had erased anything that had anything to do with blood or anything that had to do with the bloody tissue of the post-abortion situation. And there was nothing remotely that resembled a little child there. And so, of course, it would have been very much in the line of their extremist point of view. Look, there's nothing to see here, literally, you know, abortion on demand. But of course, that, for reasons that I get into in the piece, that's deeply, deeply dishonest.
0: How did a secular pro-life group respond to the Guardian's attempt?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. The, The thing we often hear, and I hear this as a moral theologian myself quite a bit, is that this is just a religious point of view. People are trying to impose their religion. But secular pro life, if 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 your listeners aren't aware, is just a fantastic pro life group, and they really took the guardian to task and and showed that listen, if you have this little baby that's about a half inch, I say at week nine, a half inch to an inch long, and you have these photos here, if what you're really showing is pregnancy, the result of pregnancy tissue at that time, here's what it would lo- have looked like if you had been honest about it, and they showed the little baby there with arms and legs and heads and eyes, you know, and stuff, and and in fact, if you go to sites like The Bump, which is where people go who are pregnant and want to see what their baby is doing, say, at nine weeks, they say the baby is nearly an inch long, looks like a miniature baby, earlobes, fingers, toes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, what probably happened was the abortion itself probably mangled the child to the point where we couldn't even really see its consistency anymore. We don't know that. It's possible that this pro-abortion website simply removed the baby. We don't really know. What we do know is that it was a gaslighting attempt to say that nine-week-old children don't look like nine-week-old children.
0: What can we learn from The Guardian's attempt to gaslight the public on this subject?
1: Well, I don't know if, if your listeners will agree with this, but I actually think This is a good development for pro-lifers. I think what this means is that those, again, that hold power in the activist circles, in academia, in media, in education, are desperate. Dobbs didn't go well, let's be honest, for the pro-life movement for the first several months. But once pro-lifers found our footing and were able to kind of regain the narrative here and say, we're, we are not the extremists. We are pushing for things that are very mainstream. In fact, our opponents are the extremists, right? And put our opponents on the back foot. Suddenly the only way that they can defend their, again, wildly extreme position of abortion all the time paid for by pro-lifers for any reason is to, again, to disappear the child altogether. And, and the only way to disappear the child altogether is to lie, is to gaslight. And so. I think that's a really important we I mean there are several lessons there. One is do as much as we can to put the onus on our opponents to defend their position, not just be on the defensive all the time ourselves. That's a really important thing to learn. But also, I think it's a, I think it should be something we should really take heart in. We should really sort of say things are going in our direction now. If this if our opponents are sort of resigned to doing this kind of game playing, this kind of gaslighting, this kind of lying, then, then really, you know, we should look forward to those kind of conversations I mentioned earlier with good faith, pro-choice activists who acknowledge that there's a prenatal human being, little little human being there. Those are arguments we could look forward to. These folks, those with this position, their time is uh, is numbered, their days are numbered here.
0: Why are Democratic Party candidates currently running on abortion and how do you think the public is reacting?
1: Well, again, I think it's, it's related to that First few weeks or months out of the gate after Dobbs, there's a very compliant media, as I mentioned before, who hold the extremist position for the most part, with few exceptions. And even those that don't hold it are kind of asked to total line on that. Again, I think pro-lifers maybe weren't ready. I'm not exactly sure what happened after Dobbs. We should have been ready, because with the especially with the leaked decision, we should have been ready to to respond. But our opponents actually were ready to go and and had a very significantly sophisticated, frankly, campaign ready to go. And we were caught on our back foot. And I think Democratic Party candidates saw that momentum and saw they could kind of push the abortion debate and make headway, make political headway and put pro-lifers on the back foot. That has changed, though, as I just mentioned. But I still think Democrats, I know, if you just turn on the radio or TV or scroll your social media feed, you know that Democratic candidates are still pushing this line. But now, again, the the narrative has changed. It's very clearly the public is reacting in a different way. I think especially, and here's a very important point, the public didn't really know what it meant to overturn Roe versus Wade at first. Maybe it still doesn't really know, but it knows that it hasn't made abortion illegal, which is again, the kind of misinformation that our opponents have, have put out there on this. So slowly but surely over the last several weeks and months, I think we've seen a, a dramatic change. And I think that's one reason, an understated reason, why um, the numbers I think have flipped with Democrats and Republicans in the upcoming midterm election.
0: There are those who, kind of two schools of thought here, one school of thought says, well, pro-life candidates should kind of take their win and avoid, if possible, the abortion issue if they're trying to get reelected. And the other is, no, now's the time to take the ball to the opponent and make them state their extreme position. What do you think about those two
1: lines of thinking. Oh, I'm in the latter camp. Yeah, for sure. Um, too often. I think, you know, again, I started out with Democrats for life. I don't, I actually don't have a lot of faith. The Republicans to do the right thing here over the years. So I think we need pro-lifers need to put our pedal to the metal here and push, those who claim that they're pro-life to stand up for this. I mean, first of all, it's just an issue of fundamental justice and the position didn't necessarily matter before. It was kind of gas bagging, you know, in light of Roe versus Wade, nothing can be done. Now things can be done. Now things matter, right? Now is where the rubber meets the road. But again, it's it's an if you frame it the right way, we can put our opponents on the defensive and say, you are for the most extreme position on abortion you could possibly have. Almost no country in the entire world has the position you want. And, and that's where we want to be playing and now is the time to really press that advantage i think finally how do we respond to the accusation that pro-lifers deny science That's <laughs> just totally absurd it's the opposite right what the guardian article shows is that we are on the side of science we want to have the full and complete and honest and forthright description of prenatal human beings to be the one that gets out there we want to call out the gaslighting anti-science dishonest approach we want to be the one saying look at what the science textbook says about a nine-week-old prenatal child look at those thumbs look at that nose right let's talk about the four-chambered heart pumping blood at six weeks our opponents, by contrast, want to deny that and want to gaslight and, again, want to be dishonest.
0: Dr. Charles Kamosi is professor of medical humanities at Creighton University School of Medicine. He's author of the book Beyond Abortion Wars and a column for The Federalist titled Why the Guardian's Gaslighting on Abortion is a Good Sign for Pro-Lifers. You can read it and purchase Beyond Abortion Wars at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Dr. Komosi, thank you very much. Thank you. Molly Hemingway, a Fox News contributor, joins us on the other side of the break to talk about the 2022 midterm elections. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's Net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today.
1: Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23 memoria press saving western civilization one student at a time defending life from beginning to end you're listening to issues etc the lutheran church missouri synods life ministry is thousands of people sharing christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our lord's creation of life his design for marriage and the family and the god-given value of all human life from conception to natural death Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministry sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email ministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org slash life.
0: As we prepare for the Advent season this year, it's time for some contemplation. Your Christmas are from the 80s. They're made of styrofoam, the glitter has dropped off, and they're being held together with toothpicks. Don't celebrate another Christmas hearkening back to the age of glitter balls? See Ad Crucem's beautifully designed Christmonds together with our book describing how they fit into the church year. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.